Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the future of marketing in esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Longawa, coming at you from the frozen tundra in Minneapolis. And with me today, I have a very good friend of mine, Scott Cole. Scott is a broadcaster for ESPN, NBA, a million things. Also, radio host and problem solver extraordinaire, Scott. (laughs) Thank you for joining my podcast. How are you? Uh, my pleasure. Just down in Texas. I know it's not as cold as it is probably where you're at, but yeah, it's it's becoming winter time. It's becoming sports time. It's becoming esports time. I heard it's chilly there this first week in December in Dallas. I heard it's like 50, 55 degrees. Yeah, but lows in the 30s. That's no bueno. No bueno when you're uh, when you're in Texas. We're just not used to it. Make no. fun of us now. Insert make fun of us hey. joke right here. I mean. That's why you live in Texas. I can't say anything about that. I choose to live in Minnesota, so can't complain about the cold weather. But it is cold. It is so cold in Minnesota. How cold is it? It is so cold in Minnesota that the lake's not fully frozen yet. And where there was open water when I got up this morning, the water was steaming because the air outside was so cold. It was making wow. water steam. Just crazy. Any science teachers out there that can explain exactly how that happens. I'm more than happy for you to slide into my DMs and explain it to me. But yeah, it's cold here. Scott, you have a really impressive resume working in broadcast, traditional sports, starting out in traditional sports, now a Twitch partner, um, the top NBA 2K caster uh, extraordinaire of all time. Can you walk me through how your career kind of came to be, how it took shape? Because it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, people ask me all the time, how do I get involved in what you do? Uh, you know, whether it's sports or esports. And, you know, I say, first thing I did, I went to school for broadcasting. You know, that's one of the first things I did. And although I didn't use my degree right off the rip, just because, you know, I when I graduated college, I started interning with the Dallas Mavericks and Dallas Stars. And back in the day, even though my boss was Mark Cuban, there wasn't a lot of internet opportunities for broadcasters. It was still very traditional. And so I was rolling cable and working replay machines and running to get coffee and picking up Al Michaels, you know, from the airport and the hotel and taking them to their trailer, things like that. So my second degree was in digital media. So I was like, man, forget this 30K a year. Apparently they're paying graphic designers a lot more than that. So I went into advertising for a long time, you know, roads up to like creative director ranks for like fortune 50 companies and worked on some high end, like Super Bowl campaigns and won all these kind of awards, et cetera, et cetera. But my heart was always with broadcasting. So on the side, you know, I would, I would call college sports games when I could and, and, you know, even high school stuff just to kind of keep relevant. And then all of a sudden, hey, here comes YouTube and here comes, uh, you know, Twitch and ESPN3. And now pretty much everyone has some sort of digital property that they can, you know, put programming on. So um, 
really about eight years ago, I started transitioning to what I do now, which is I can't believe I get to broadcast full time, which is which is crazy. But a lot of it was just saying yes to every opportunity that was brought up. Like, hey, do you want to have you ever called the cross before? Uh, the answer is yes, even though the real answer was no. You know, it's like, hey, you know, try to take all those opportunities, even though if it's not the sport you want to call or the esport you want to call the video game that you want to be involved in, getting those opportunities because you never know who out there is listening that could probably give you your big break down the road. Awesome. And just, you know, I think having a background working the agency life, you take on projects for, you know, for clients that you might not have any understanding of that what they do, right? Their their company, their organization, you as an as an advertiser and working in marketing, what you learn to do is really dive in and become a subject matter expert on behalf of your client. And when you learn those skills, you can apply it into into anything. Yeah. I mean, I think having a marketing background, you know, when brand X wants to reach a certain demographic or they have a certain goal, they're not used to broadcasters asking them, well, what's your goal here? What are you, what are you trying to reach? You know, what can I do to help you reach your goal? Or if I'm working with an agency, you know, what, what can I do to help your client, you know, reach, reach their goal? And there, a lot of people aren't used to that. A lot of people, when they get on air, they're, they're trying to promote their own brand. Hey, follow me here and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, wait, that's not our job. Our job is to make Discover Card, you know, popular or, you know, right. Verizon or AT&T. And yeah, I get, I get to work on both sides of those lines. Coke and Pepsi, uh, you know, Ford and Chevy, you know, you, you know, EA and 2K, you know, companies that are against each other. But when you have their ultimate goal in mind, um, I think that helps because, they get to come back. You get to come back and work with them because they're like, hey, when we had Scott last time, he not only achieved our objectives that we had for him, but he exceeded those objectives. Right. Because you're looking at it from that client perspective and you're able to even like on the fly during a live casting, um, ensure that you're speaking about what their objectives are and they do it effortlessly instead of like just trying to read some type of, you know, predetermined ad. I think one thing that's really cool about your cadence and the way you talk is it just feels like it's very organic part of the conversation and part of the show. Yeah. I mean, I think having authenticity is important. And if you can sound authentic, that's great too, because I mean, it's true. Like sometimes you are you know, you're doing an event for Snickers and somebody in the chat, you know, on Twitch or something's like, Hey, what's your favorite candy? Well, I'm telling you for these next three hours, Snickers is my favorite candy. And it's just funny how, you know, you'll get, you might get partnered with a guest or someone else that's working with you. And they'd be like, well, I really like Reese's pieces. And I'm like, no, no, no. I really think you like Snickers right now. I think (laughs) Snickers is what you love. And the interesting thing is that affinity that those brands have for the project you work on, it it kind of brings you full around where it's like, hey, I want to support the brands that are supporting me back. So it's not like, you know, if I was doing a ton of work for Chevy, I wouldn't go out there and be like, hmm, the the Ford F-250 is a great truck. You know, you kind of almost have to skirt the line, especially what I do, which is more play-by-play and hosting. You almost have to be just kind of the middle man kind of that 
unbiased opinion. You know, you're not an analyst that, you know, gains popularity from swinging one way or the other, which certainly people have gained a lot of popularity by doing that, you know, taking large stances against brands or video game makers or colleges or sports teams. They have built their whole brand around hating the Yankees or something like that. So, but what I do is that limits a lot of my opportunities if I'm against, you know, certainly there's brands that I I just don't jive with on like a, a, a moral compass. But when it comes to those Fortune 500 brands, I want to be open to as many of those as I can work with. Yeah, absolutely. What's the difference? Do you feel like, or can you share a little bit about the differences between traditional broadcasting from a, from a sports sense, sense, like what you went to school for and what the um, differences are being a caster, like on Twitch or some of these esports live events? Um, can you paint a picture for us of how they're different and how they're similar? Yeah, I think there is a lot of similarities, right? Um you know, everybody wants the most professional broadcast that they can get. Um, I think the stakes are higher in some of the traditional sports, but you've seen a lot of these esports reach viewer accounts and just, you know, kind of reach a level of popularity that you almost have to bring a traditional style broadcast, at least the firepower behind it, right? Where, you know, some of these events that I'm on can be run behind the scenes by two people, which you wouldn't think for, you know, maybe a, a a big brand or a big marketing campaign in traditional sports. It's not that way. Even at the lowest of lows, when we're doing an NBA G league, you know, showcase or something like that, it's still like Turner broadcasting or time Warner broadcasting. The people that run NBA TV and the people that run ESPN are still backing it, even if it's at a lower level. So uh, a lot of the traditional sports routes, they don't know any other way to do it than to roll out the big trucks and the red carpet and have production teams of a dozen plus. And it's interesting when you go to some of these esports events, I mean, it's amazing how much they can get done with two or three or four people that you're like, wow, that was an incredible show. And it's like, yeah, well, it's amazing that the same person that's producing, who's also directing, you know, and some guy that's doing the sound is also doing the, you know, running the chat and running the cameras and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting in this remote world how the two have become very blended. In these last two years, when everybody was remote, I think a lot of traditional sports leaned in on esports. I think uh, you know a lot of the NBA properties contacted the NBA 2K League and said, "Well, how are you doing this? How are you doing this remote type broadcasts with limited budgets? Because everyone's budgets got hurt, you know, during the pandemic." So it's interesting that some traditional folks cannot seem to get into digital side, you know, get into the esports side or a streaming side. And, and some folks that have literally almost no broadcasting background at all, be able to kind of be like MacGyver their way into, into producing a good show. So, I mean, although there is a, a typical formula to how you want to produce something, I've seen it pretty much all over the map from grandioso performances to, uh, literally a one man show or saying, Scott, are you ready? <laughs> you know, and, and go, and they're, they're the director, they're the audio person, they're, they're pushing the stream and all that. So there's really no particular formula nowadays on how to achieve success. Right. And we met a year ago 
on an all digital uh, Madden event mm-hmm. that, I mean, it was produced pretty well. I think it it was a, it was a, it was a good event, but it wasn't like one of those events that had you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers. I don't even, I don't remember what the stats were on it, but it didn't have like the highest amount of viewers. Um, is that what you normally see? Like it ebbs and flows from maybe a digital broadcast that has, a, you know, in the, in the low thousands of concurrent viewers and even hundreds of concurrent viewers to some of these really large blowout events where there, there might be in the, you know, tens and twenties thousand plus viewers at one time. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've done things where I'm like, well, is anybody watching this right <laughs> to uh, being on the NFL network or ESPN or ESPN two, or, you know, you got six figure counts, you know, going out there. I think the, I think the most I've ever had is like five, 600,000 somewhere in there on the NFL network on a um, day before the Super Bowl. A lot of eyeballs on the network on that day. So, but for me, I don't care if it's one or 100,000, you got to go out there and do your job because I know a lot of streamers and a lot of content creators get really discouraged by, well, my podcast only had a hundred plays or, you know, the last stream I did only had, you know, only five people came by or my YouTube video had 57 views. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, you know, I, I turned 57 views into a job with the NFL network, you know, so you never know who's watching. You never know what brands watching that. They're like, we really want to have this per- person represent us. And that goes the other way, right? You got to be careful what you say or what you do. If, if only three people are watching or you're doing an event where only 2000 people are watching, you can't phone it in or, or say something you shouldn't say, because, you know, every time you go out there, you're representing your brand. And that's that's yeah. the thing as a broadcaster that's interesting coming from a marketing background is I'm going out there, I'm marketing myself every time. So, you know, when I'm on this podcast, you know, it, it, I, I'm doing it like it's Rich Eisen interviewing me, right? So um, you can't, you know, I think Michael Jordan used to always say, I went out there and played my best because I knew there was one person out there who had maybe never seen me play. And, right. I, and you, and when you're doing broadcasting or you're doing a job, I don't care if you're behind the scenes or in front of the camera, you always want to put, you know, your best foot forward. And sometimes it's hard to, to remember that, um, when you get caught up watching viewer accounts or, you know, measuring success that way. I think that goes back to Rebecca was we were talking about is, you know, how did that particular brand measure success, right? Was success having Saquon Barkley on was success, uh, you know, uh, reaching a new gamut they had never done before. Were they taking like, you know, their initial steps to getting, you know, their feet wet in the esports water? And I think a lot of those boxes were checked. Sure, we would have loved to have 60,000 people watching. But yeah. when you go back and look at traditional Madden events on Twitch, you know, 60,000 would be some of the highest they've ever had. So you got to be a realistic with your metrics. And also, you know, for that particular event, that one was for charity that benefited Gen Youth. So mm-hmm. success for Gen Youth was achieved because they were able to raise money that was feeding, you know, schools, school students during a time of pretty high food insecurity with COVID. When I talk to brands, I like to set a realistic expectation and also having them think about not just a one and done singular thing as you know one event as to how they're getting into the esports ecosystem i think the way that brands need to to you know 
strategize in getting into esports needs to be consistent, long term, multiple touch points, and 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 not just have an expectation that they're going to sponsor an event or help curate some type of an event, whether it's digital or live, and have it, you know, be the same as maybe the League of Legends finals, right? <laughs> because what you see from a lot of the esports community that is that's on the negative side is they're going in front of brands and they're talking holistically about esports and they're sharing all of the top rated events and the you know really really all of all of the peaks and none of the valleys of what's going on in the industry and setting some false expectations so i find myself having to constantly educate brands as to the reality of what this space looks like and truly like what is success for a brand a lot of these non-endemic brands that have never been in the space before Really, it's just around brand affinity and brand awareness is where their head should be, not a direct one-for-one. Um, yeah, just because you fire up content doesn't mean people are going to watch. I mean, right? I, I, you know, I did a thing with Microsoft and the rapper slash actor slash mogul Ludacris, and I, I took a peek at the chat, and there was like seven hundred people watching. And I'm like, what? What? What is going on here? We are racing cars with Ludacris, you know, at this big old event, and like seven hundred people are watching. So. Um, it's crazy because, you know, maybe sometimes you've picked the wrong platform or you haven't promoted it correctly, or maybe that you're playing a game or a sport that's just not in its relevancy. Like, you know, talking NFL football in April, isn't as exciting as September or around the Super Bowl time. So I think timing and marketing come all together to, to, to produce a a great event. And so. Um, just cause you check the boxes, which a lot of brands do like, oh man, if we get, uh, Anthony Davis and we get ruffles and we get Scott Cole and someone else to come out and broadcast, it's going to be a great event. And that's, that's just like step one in the planning, right. And then, right. and how you're going to activate it as a whole different ball of wax. And that's where, you know, people like yourself and working with the platforms like Twitch, you know, that's a big part of how you can how you can boost something. Like I I recently have been working with HBCU colleges in having them have better opportunities to have their esports showcased, um, which I think last year they had like one school and now they've moved up to like 30 schools that are now participating in esports. And they partnered with Twitch to be able to sort of like light a match, sort of like become a catalyst to the cause that they're trying to push. And the event I was talking about earlier with Ludacris I don't think they did anything. They just thought, hey, Ludacris is going to put an Instagram post out and we're going to have 100,000 people. And that just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, you have to think about like young people, younger than me anyways, <laughs> they are being pushed a million things a day for them to, not a million, but I'm, I'm exaggerating everybody. They're getting pushed hundreds of things a day to follow. And if you go to the homepage of Twitch at any point in time during the day, so many things to choose from. There's so much that is trying to capture people's attention digitally. And one of the things that I've seen happen when it comes to trying to promote tune-ins on Twitch is a lot of dollars are being spent to do paid social well before the event, weeks before an event happens, which in, in, in the old way of 
doing things, you know, pre-Twitch that, that worked, right. If you're having an event, if you're wanting people to tune into a a special on television or you're doing a live event, you want to promote for a really long time with Twitch. It's just so real time. And there's so many things that are, are pulling them away from, from content that you have to really get them in that moment. You have to really push in that moment. And even considering like the time of day for an event, because I've worked on events that were wildly successful being done during the day when there's not a lot of other things happening that have been replicated then to an evening broadcast that we're not getting a lot of tune-ins because there's so many other things that were happening at that same time. And I mean, we were just going to do a an all-women's Valorant tournament and we've had to move the date because a competitor was also doing an all-women's Valorant tournament on the same day. And so, you know, how many, if you think about like how many actual, you know, women Val players that are competing and joining tournaments probably can't host two of them on the same day overlapping. They're going to choose one or the other, and they're going to choose the one with the largest prize pool, which we did not have. So then you have to pivot and you have to move. There's so many factors to take into consideration of, of what is going to be marked success. And what are those things you can control that are going to help kind of move the needle forward towards success? And there's a lot of them to consider in this space. Yeah. Madden a year ago, which I thought was a brilliant move. They were just like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to own Tuesday nights. We're going to put like four hours of programming up. They're going to be all different shows, right? It's not like we had a thing where they were doing like a King of the Hill competition. And then Derwin James from the chargers was playing like Snoop Dogg and Darius Rucker and, you know, and all these rappers from Atlanta who he beat every one of them. But, you know, it's, it was interesting. I thought it was a move that they were just like, Hey, we know Tuesday nights aren't very popular. So we're going to try to own it, right? And we're going to try to get people that are Snoop Dogg fans, you know, to, to tune into our broadcast. So there's, there's, everyone thinks, oh, you got an event. Cool. Friday night, seven o'clock. That's when we're going to do it, right? I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, it's like in the old days trying to go up against Seinfeld or friends or something like that. You just know, like the other networks are like, all right, we're probably going to run like 60 minutes <laughs> during Seinfeld. You know, we're going to run some program that we know people don't care about. But you watch an NFL game, you click over. And like other networks are showing like curling or something like that, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they know they don't want to put like a top-notch basketball game up against, you know, like a NFL Christmas game or something. You know, you're just going to lose out. Right, right. Yeah, it's really insightful. What, you know, so right now you're working on a myriad of things. I know, I know that you are in terms of broadcasting, a multitude of things. But aside from being a broadcaster and shoutcaster, what are some of the other things that you're working on or aspiring to work on? Because you kind of are a Swiss army knife and have a breadth of experience in working on the, on the marketing side as well. Yeah. you know, a, a lot of things that I push is I tell people, you know, I, I take ideas from concept to completion. So using my creative directing background, not only can I you know, set up the project, work on the project, but then post-produce the project if, if needed. So, you know, that has been wildly popular with some folks that, you know, maybe have a tighter budget and they're like, ah, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, what if I did the whole thing, you know, would that help you out? So you don't want to be a, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, certainly, but, you know, 
and working esports all the way back to the late 1990s, right? So 2001, you get into CPL and Counter Strike and Call of Duty. You know, I, I was working in esports before they had video. A lot of people would watch uh, Counter Strike replays while they listened to us over audio, which was uh, on a program called Winamp. That's how you got the the um, the the term shoutcasting because that was the that was the plugin that you would listen through Winamp to to listen to audio of of live production. So, um, you know, I'm trying to take all those lessons I've learned and certainly a lot of the mistakes I've made and be able to pass those on, much like people in traditional sports have done to me. You know, a lot of my peers that I that also do play by play, even you know, I'm I'm old in esports, young in traditional broadcasting because my peers are in their 70s, you know, so uh, I, I'm trying to pass my knowledge down in esports to those that are, you know, just coming out of college that want to do esports or people that didn't go to college, you know, for broadcasting, but have talent, you know, how can I help them get better? And so I've started to transition myself to, well, hey, I can't be on this Rocket League broadcast, but uh, hey, can I help your talent out or uh, can I help you produce some segments or, you know, can I watch some of your last productions and kind of break it down and let your people know where they can get better and improvement, kind of talent resource management and, and production, both pre and post and live is starting when I'm getting into it because the other thing is for a, a company like Madden, you know, an EA, they can't have me everywhere, right? There is such thing as uh, overexposure. So it's nice to still be able to work on projects and and push charity things forward. And like this stuff I'm doing with HBCU is, you know, how much, how much can you do behind the scenes and take all that experience you've had? Because sitting at that desk, watching a lot of production happen, you know, you've learned a lot over the years of of, hey, new brand, don't do this, right? Because we tried that before. I did a thing with McDonald's and you're going down the same road that they went down and it, it didn't pay off. Their findings were if they would have shifted to this, that would have been a lot more successful. So I think, you know, there's not a lot of what I would call, you know, decades of experience in esports. And certainly I've had the opportunity to kind of be there since day one. Uh, being one of those pioneers in, in what we do in esports. So being able to take that traditional role, the traditional values of what brands and agencies are looking for, and then kind of helping these uh, millennials and Gen Xers and who knows who's next, think about something differently because you can take some of the greatest streamers we've ever had, people that are streaming constantly to, you know, in an hour, 100,000 people and put them kind of in what we do traditionally, which is hosting or pushing something for a brand, working things in marketing. And they are like, they're like a fish out of water. When they're in their home, they're amazing, right? They're in their element. So helping people kind of transition to creating content from in your house to, you know, sitting on a big stage or, or even working on television is kind of some of the next steps that I'm looking towards. Very cool. I, I like that. I think there's also a lot of need for individuals who, you know, maybe they're traditional entertainers or traditional athletes that want to start doing the commentating within the esports broadcasting space because they play video games and they get it. I think there's probably a lot of room for educating those folks as well. I mean, I'll, I'll hear from like 
old contacts that used to play, you know, you know, professional sports. And they're like, I'd really like to get in on this Twitch thing. I just like, don't know where to start. Are you getting some of that outreach as well? Because we have a lot of similar connections in that space. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, the, the funny thing is I have, you know, worked with people that are hall of famers or people that are a celebrities. And the funny thing is like Snoop Dogg will sometimes stream to like 200 people. Like it, 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 it the funny thing is it doesn't matter. Um, Twitch is like an enigma, right? Like there, you know, there are some things that you can do to set yourself up for success. But the funny thing is just because you're Snoop Dogg doesn't mean you're going to have 200,000 people watching you, um, which if he was on television and he's on television a lot, you know, um, he does, he does gain those things on a, on a traditional platform. You know, when they put him on a, a show on TBS with Martha Stewart, they probably are getting, you know, 200,000 concurrent, but when he's streaming Madden sitting in his house, he's probably getting 200. But what I do like is, you know, this is kind of access that you would never get to these kind of players or athletes or celebrities to kind of open themselves up to be able to play video games it's interesting because Kyler Murray, who's the quarterback for the Cardinals, he's like a huge Madden esports fan. You know, like he wants to play with those guys. And it's interesting to see that where like Anthony Davis loves 2K and he's like, man, I want to, he's like, I want to play in the NBA 2K league. I'm like, bro, you're like, a, you're like a multimillionaire, like one of the top five players in the NBA and you want to play video games. But he's like, yeah, I want to get on Twitch and I want to stream like GTA RP. Like, I'm like, this is so bizarre, but the things that you find out is a lot of these people you run across, they're just like you. I mean, they got a lot of, of similar hobbies and they're trying to figure out where they want to start. Of course, they don't want to take any missteps because we've certainly had a lot of people on live broadcast and on their own personal accounts, whether it's Twitch or Instagram, say things they shouldn't say so or set things up a certain way, right? So. I think helping some people that have focused their lives on either sports or acting or, you know, whatever they've done on the celebrity life, they, they don't know something as simple as what a, you know, a 12 year old knows 12 year old knows how to load up OBS and connect to Twitch and start streaming. Right. But someone that's maybe has kind of spent their life, not behind a computer or just playing video games for fun, they certainly need some some guidance on how to get started and and how to, you know, kind of work with brands, right? Because they've worked with brands on maybe a, a television commercial or promoting their new shoe that's coming out. You know, a lot of the things during this pandemic, Anthony Davis for the Lakers was like, hey, I want to do, I can't do all these like in-person signings, right? Or, or in-person um meetings and and things that you would normally do for brands. So he's like, I want to invite all these fans to come meet me via Twitch. And he actually did a thing with fans via Zoom, right? It was like five people got to talk to him for like an hour. And I moderated that. Talk about a small audience of five, but those five people that got to talk to Anthony Davis for like 30 minutes to an hour, like that's that's stuff that you can't, you know, that that's kind of priceless. So, yeah, a lot of the athletes, a lot of celebrities certainly need guidance in the kind of getting into this normal world that right. we call that we call video games. Well, when you go back 10 years ago and it's exactly where things were when it came to monetizing your name and likeness in social media, like you can't expect for brands to just sponsor you to start, you know, putting tweets out or Instagram posts, like 
you have to be consistent. You have to build your followers. You have to, you have to devote the time, even though it, it, no one's paying you to actually do that and curate that and wait for the partners to see that consistency and the traction before you can really monetize it. I think that we're in that repeat pattern now where getting onto Twitch or another streaming platform as a celebrity and creating consistent content and constantly putting yourself out there and giving just this, you know, as you say, this unique content, this, this peek into a life that is shows a lot of authenticity and connectivity between a fan and a personality over time. It's more than 200 people watching you do something right. And you have, you have some spikes as well in terms of maybe you're co-collaborating with somebody else. Um, but that's also highly sponsorable, but it's not like going to a meet and greet where you're going to be paid completely upfront. Like you have to put in a lot of legwork and you have to put in the time to, to curate a following and to be, you know, producing content on there pretty regularly. Cause yeah, and I think Twitch this goes back to, uh, not to here, cut you but, off, but yeah. I think this goes back to authenticity, right? So yeah. like, if, if they're going to start a Twitch or Instagram or TikTok, you know, like you have to produce things that you're authentically passionate about because we'll have um, the crazy thing is we'll have um, people come play Madden and although they're in the NFL, that's like not their passion. Like, yeah. So, so some of them like do not want to play a football game, right? They want to play right. Fortnite or, or Warzone for, for Call of Duty or something. Cause like video games is an escape for them. So their authentic passion is, is not to do what their job is, right? They also, they might be in the game of Madden, but that doesn't mean they want to play it. So, right. and then you have, we, you have NFL players that can't wait to jump on and play Madden. And that's one of the advices that you would give anybody is like, be authentic to the content that you want to produce because in the end you'll burn out. Yeah. I've created content and signed contracts and done things where I'm like, man, there's no way I could have sustained this for longer than the contract. And then there's jobs where you're like, you know, like if it was something that involved aviation, which is one of the things, um, one of my biggest hobbies, I'm like, man, I could do it. I could do something about that forever. I could do something on that every day. Being authentic to your passion and your hobbies is certainly an advice that you would give anybody. Right. Right. Which is very similar to just that basic personal brand building as well. Yeah, um, I totally 100% agree. Yeah. Setting yourself up to where the, the space that you want to be in, like creating a goal that's like, you know, although I was, you know, broadcasting lacrosse and volleyball in college, I knew college basketball and college football is where I wanted to be. Some things you got to do, you know, to get you to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. But I think consistency is always like the biggest factor because the worst thing is when you go to a Twitch page and and there's, there's never any content there ha- actually happening live, right? But they want brands to pay them. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. or it's like, well, cool. What's the, you know, it'd be like me. Like the last time I produced my own personal podcast was like 2016. And that's because, you know, I do like five different podcasts, you know, for different brands and different leagues and stuff. So it's yeah. like, I'm the cobbler's kid without shoes, right? But it's like, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't contact somebody and be like, Hey, you should put this on, on the radio or, Hey, you should, you know, you should sign me to like a, a contract for my podcast. Well, you haven't done it in five years. You know, a lot of people are, are, are waiting for the call instead of going out there and, 
And, you know, if I wanted, if I wanted to push a podcast, then I probably need to, you know, I probably need to do it for six months to a year to even be able to approach someone, you know, to take it further. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. So coolest projects ever. I hosted the red carpet in Hollywood for star Wars, the last Jedi. And that was a project with Nissan. And so you talk about things that are outside your wheelhouse and just by creating and networking with people over the years, certainly they, you know, people, people, there's a partnership between Nissan, Twitch and Disney. So um, Disney was like, who do you got that we know will go do a good job and won't say the 2000 words that Disney does not allow you to say, they'll shut the stream down. If they hear one of these words that, you know, that uh, goes outside the Disney brand. And they were just like, Hey, Scott Cole, we've done a ton of vids with him. He's done a ton of branding events. So being able to host the red carpet for them, you know, at their premiere of, of Star Wars, the last Jedi, that's certainly up there. And of course, being on national TV for the first time with the NFL network, those are probably my two, two, two highlights that I'll, I'll probably remember the most. I love that. That's fun. And looking forward, anything super exciting that you're looking forward to doing soon? You know, it's always Super Bowl time. So, you know, it's, it's kind of the calm before the storm, get to enjoy the holidays and knowing that there's always these last minute brands that are going to say, oh yeah, the Super Bowl is coming up. We should do something. What should we do? Right. And there's so many times Rebecca, where I'm like, okay, I got to get a real job. I'm going back to a cubicle job. This, this was a cool dream for the last eight years, but the, you know, the whale has run dry. You know, I'll look at my calendar and be like, well, the next thing I got is March. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're signing like a, you know, a 50 day, you know, uh, contract to do something for a brand or a league or something. So, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, although you, you know, sometimes you don't have something that's I'm doing tomorrow, mm-hmm. you certainly know that in, in an instance, you know, we might be going back to the way it was where I'm traveling 300 days out of the year. It's been sort of nice to be home and do some of those remote events. But yeah, certainly it's the big events when you're talking about traditional sports of, of the Super Bowl and March Madness and NBA playoffs and the all-star games. And you know that's where brands and sports and video games always come together. There's never a dull moment as long as you keep your ears open and, and have the right representation, which I've been lucky enough to be the only esports guy for the Montag group who represents Scott Van Pelt and, and Mike Tirico and Bob Costas. And, you know, they started off with John Madden as their first client, you know, 20 oh something years ago. So you can't always get Jim Nance, right? So at some point it's going to, it's brand's budget's going to trickle down to, well, what can we get for uh, what's the, well, you know, what's the Scott Cole scenario here? Well, <laughs> you, know, you know, if you can't get Jim Nance, you know, 50 calls later, maybe there's Scott Cole in your future. So, I mean, that's a big part of it. Is, yeah. is that networking and having representation, people that can represent you uh, in ways you can't represent yourself. You know, you put your best foot forward, but it would be unauthentic to myself for me to get on social media and be like, I'm open for the Super Bowl. Somebody hire me. That's just not, that's just not it. And, and but it happens. I mean, sure. I, I've been independent also for quite a long time. And I've been in that total scenario where you're like, okay, this production that I'm working on is like next week is my very last week. And I start having like these panic attacks, but then like, (laughs) lo and behold, all of a sudden 
I get a phone call just out of the blue and it's somebody wanting to see if I can do a really large event, produce a really large event for them, or, you know, just totally all over the place in terms of what the ask is. It just always seems to fall into place for people like us, which is yeah. Awesome. The, the, the best advice I can give is don't buy the Lambos, <laughs> you know, don't, don't buy your private jet yet, you know, put it in the bank for, for a rainy day. And, and also, you know, the, one of the reasons people want to get in the business that we do is to have time, right. Where yeah. I can put an Airstream on the back of the truck and, you know, head out to Yellowstone, uh, not the show, the actual place. I have to remind people that, yeah, it's not just a show. It's actually a place you can go to. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have that flexibility. And sometimes plans do fall through because I made a, I made a plan to go to Yellowstone. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a big, big branding thing uh, for the NBA. Keep saying yes and keep working hard and, and good things come out of it. I mean, that's, that's the advice you'd give to anybody, whether they're starting a, a Twitch or a TikTok. The more, the more time you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And, sure. and that goes for our business as well. Yeah. And I think another, another thing that is really important to tell yourself in, in these times is comes back to what you were saying about whether you're broadcasting or working on a project where it's touching a hundred thousand people or a hundred people, when you do quality work and you consistently do quality work, that is your biggest advantage because people respect and appreciate that in esports is a space where people are connecting and learning and referring back and forth. I mean, there's some times where mm-hmm. a project comes to me that definitely could I, do I, do I have the knowledge to do that project? Yes. Do I have the bandwidth to do that project? No, but I have people in my, in my network, in my ecosystem that I will refer that business to. And I know that they're going to do a solid job. Um, I know they're going to blow it you know, out of the water and just do a phenomenal job for that potential client. And that is what building really great relationships are. And when I'm looking at the, the future of where our industry is going, and I'm seeing stadiums being built out, esports activations as part of the planning, as part of the footprint, it just shows you that this is a space in which is going to just continue to grow and to evolve and create even more opportunities ongoing. It's a wild time. I mean, people laughed at the NFL, but professional football, this is, this is crazy. No one would ever, no one wants to watch this stuff. You know what I mean? College football's king. And, yeah. and now one of the, you know, one of the biggest leagues, organizations, their teams are worth billions. And so that's what gets some people excited about esports is knowing that, hey, maybe maybe we're on the ground floor here, even though, you know, it's about 20 years into it, have some ebbs and flows, but people are wondering if one day, and it's starting to become true, is, is, is Faye's going to be worth as much as the Dallas Cowboys one day? You know, Absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> it's certainly starting to trend that way. Yeah. Well, absolutely. You take a look at a, a brand like FaZe and, you know, back to talking about celebrities, entertainers, athletes. When you take a look at how FaZe has been able to really lead the way in creating a platform, almost a plug and play platform for those types of individuals within their ecosystem and sign them to these large contracts, 
um, and put them underneath that umbrella. I mean, what a major win there. Yeah, I never thought you'd see esports teams be all over Times Square <laughs> and everywhere you walk in New York and LA. And that, that leads me to believe that although a lot of these teams certainly aren't cash flow positive yet, there's major league teams that are losing money every year. So right. there's more to that. It's they're, they're building some sweat equity in there for the long term. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's it's really funny because you think about like, You've seen it coming for quite a long time. I've seen it coming for like the last four years. And I've talked to people even recently that they were like, we talked about this years ago and I thought you were crazy. And then now <laughs> it's everywhere they look, they're they're seeing it and they're hearing it, which is just about, you know, we had early access and an understanding um, that most people don't have that unique viewpoint to see, but it is, it's like, it, it's like how the internet was in the late nineties, early two thousands, and then the social media boom in the 2010s when it comes to monetizing that. And now this is just that next, that next wave of innovation. And then beyond this, you know, we've got metaverse and, you know, web and all these other things. <laughs> yeah, are- oh my goodness. Yeah. That's uh that's a, a step that I'm behind on. I'm usually ahead of the curve on a lot of things, but you know, we're going places that, and certainly not everything's a winner. Right. But uh you know, a lot of those things are starting to to settle in of, okay, they're going to be around for a while. Yes. And it is, it, it tends to be hard to discern. I mean, I remember my dad when I was little, like when I was younger, it took him by the time he finally gave in and bought a VCR. I think DVDs came out that next year. <laughs> <laughs> he just was like, Oh, I don't know about this VCR thing. We can just rent one from the video store. We don't need to buy one. I'm like, Dad, I think the VCR is gonna be around for a while. And that and and it was like 10 years later he finally bought one and then the DVDs came out and he was like, oh, I told you. <laughs> it's like, no, actually, we did a really long time, dude. Um, I mean, technology's rolling the world, right? It's like when I'm doing car shopping or something, I'm like, well, does it have Apple CarPlay? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I don't want to drive a vehicle that doesn't have Apple CarPlay. I don't want to ride in a car that doesn't have Apple CarPlay. That's something I can hook my tunes up to. I don't want an aux cord. You know, I want to access everything that I have on my phone. So, you know, who even thought that, you know, technology would uh, evolve the way it has and who even knows what the next thing is. So, right. you don't. Um, but I kind of like try to learn about everything. And one of my favorite older videos is, um, Bill Gates being interviewed by David Letterman and um, when the internet was just being birthed and Bill Gates is talking about, about the internet and David Letterman is literally making fun of him. He's like, Oh, you ever heard of a phone book? I mean, and he's being serious, <laughs> like, Oh, you're going to, you can contact, you can find anybody. Do you ever hear of a phone book? And then, I mean, it's like on and on of David Letterman, like totally trying to get, <laughs> to get underneath Bill Gates skin and like make fun of him. And now you like fast forward and you're like, Oh my gosh, how embarrassing for David Letterman. Yeah. And uh, uh, some celebrities, right. And and people that we have in our field are thinking these are guys in their basement. Right. Right. And, and I'm like, no, these guys are living in half a million dollar houses based on the Twitch, you know, the Twitch success they've had or YouTube success. So um, they're not anywhere close to a basement. And if it's a basement, it's probably a pretty sweet man cave down there or something. So yeah, it's just amazing on not only the place that it's going, but also the diversity that it's now bringing with, you know, women. And like I talked about, I'm doing, you know, HBCU, just people that are, you know, kind of 
under showcased or, mm-hmm. or not given the opportunities we've now hit in a, a stage that that's like a, a huge movement of, you know, well, Hey, who's playing, right? Oh, is it, um, you know, a lot of people just don't want the typical esports guy. That's They're moving beyond that. When somebody sends me their investment deck of their, their either sports technology or esports technology startup, I literally go right to the founders and advisor page. And if there is not diversity, if they don't have people of color, if they do not have women represented, if it's just two pages of, of older white men or even young white men, pass. I'm not even going to read your deck. I don't even care what you're building because it's not going to serve a holistic view of what's what's needed. And you know, you just it's just not for me. Like maybe it's for somebody else, but it's definitely I'm not going to champion that when there's such a marked need for diverse voices in the space. Yeah, and I think what we're what we're finding is is like having people to be able to showcase what they can do whether it's in front of the camera, behind the camera, and marketing or, you know, wherever they are, we just want to have an opportunity where everyone's having, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, having the best opportunity to showcase your skills, right. And, right. and see what you can do right up, up against the best. So for a lot of people that has, that has been great because they would never have the opportunity otherwise, but on some, some ends, it's been not so good because you realize all right. Well, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be out there on the floor of the NBA playing against some of these guys, right? So, right, right. some of it's been a cool showcase because you've got to see, wow, some of these esports players are on a whole nother level. As, as certainly we know, an NBA guy is better than the guy I play with at the YMCA. You know, so but we've also seen where it's like, wow, these people have potential to be a force in our industry and without people just kind of stepping out there and give people opportunities and standing up for people, we would have never seen that. So it's just really a cool time to be a part of, of media marketing and just competition in general. Right. Yeah. And you have to be able to have the opportunity to play against top players in order to continue to, to learn and grow and become better yourself. So it's important to, I love what eFuse is doing with their co-ed tournaments, their Sadie Hawkins tournaments, their women of the arena, the HBCU. I know they're working on that same project as you as well. And like that's so important in order to allow people to become better and to learn and to grow. Yeah. I won't disagree. (laughs) Certainly a lot of people out there, um, I would get embarrassed if I tried to jump in their arena uh, <laughs> and, and do what they do. When they sign me up for some of these celebrity things, I, I try to make sure it's a game that I can, or a, or a sport or an activity that that I won't embarrass myself doing. That's how I feel when people invite me to golf tournaments in the, in the <laughs> summer here in Minnesota. Like, oh, is it a scramble? Okay. I just won't tee off. I'll just do everything else. Yeah. I'll be in the cart. <laughs> I'm super good at driving the cart. And uh, handing out beef jerky. So tell me then how, or tell our listeners, really, if people want to connect with you, follow you, where can they find you on on social? And then how do they reach you if they want to talk to you about? Yes, at Scott Cole Show everywhere. DMs are open and I just have a huge heart for trying to move the ball forward. So if, if you're having trouble forging a way or a path or you got questions about things, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, an aspiring broadcaster or an esports competitor or want to work behind the scenes or, or certainly a brand at Sky Cole Show everywhere. 
um, and then represented by the Montauk Group out of uh, New York City. Those are the best ways to get in contact with me. And as I mentioned before, DMs are always open. And uh, I love doing podcasts like this and and interacting with people because I didn't get to where I'm at by, you know, by myself. So it, it takes a lot of people. It takes a village. It takes passing down contacts and networks and, and you know, the things we've learned over the past couple of years to be able to uh, help all of us um, keep moving forward. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Scott. I always love having conversations with you, especially when I can see you in person, which hopefully (laughs) will happen again soon, 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 please. Um, I have to come down to Dallas and warm up a little bit. Um, But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. I think it's really cool. Not a lot of people get to hear how the world of broadcasting has evolved into this digital realm in esports. So thanks so much for sharing that insight. And we will talk soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.